Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and friends, like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble, even if it's hump day. Now, do we? That's right. Especially not on hump day. Yeah. Right, right. So Max, so Max, our, our sweet new German Shepherd puppy, is he keeping you up at night? How's it going? You know, he's been really good at night, like from the get-go i i had him in a crate like a wire crate i, I didn't want to put him in plastic because he's he's hot he is hot i mean he sleeps on top of the air conditioner vents you know and in the bathroom and stuff so he gets really hot so i thought we'll give him more airflow well he didn't whine or cry or try to get out but he was just restless and every time he'd move around a cage would rattle so that was keep you know how puppies plop they don't like lay down they just walk 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 Plop, right, you know, they do. <laughs> that's what they do. They just walk, 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 plop. And so he'd do this during the night. Like he'd get up, turn around, another plop, and then the cage would rattle, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'm not getting any sleep. So he loves to sleep in the bathroom. So I just started gating him in our bathroom, you know, pick up the rugs, put his bed in there. And he loves that pile. And he's just good as could be. I usually, if I get, whenever I get up during the night to go pee, I'll take him out. He peed in the house for about the first day and a half. And he, this dog had never been inside and he's only, well, he's just 12 weeks old now. We've had him for two weeks and, um, you know, I'm good. I'm trying to get him out every few hours, but you know, I've a couple times now I've heard him whine at the door. Like he's, he seems to have that down. I mean, literally the first day and a half. And then he's like, Oh, Oh, I pee outside. Okay. I get it. And he's, he's smart. So no, he's been good, but he's, you know, he's a handful, you know, he got lots of, and I mean, I was, I had him outside with him today and he was just romping and playing and, you know, chasing leaves and sticks. And, you know, I give him puppy playtime in addition to our, you know, working on the leash and all of that. Um, so yeah, he's, he's fun, but it's a ton of work. You know, we were talking before the show about the importance of training. I want a well-behaved dog and to get a well-behaved dog, that you can take anywhere and you know, they're going to mind their manners. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but I know it's going to pay off. You know, you put the time in now and get that good foundation and then, you know, he'll be, he'll be good, but he does like the chicken feed. So he got into the, um, the grain, there's a mix of grains and stuff. Our chickens are out of pasture, but you know, we give them a little supplement and um, he just loves this, this food, you know? And so he got into a pail of it and, um, Next day, the day after he got into it, poop and poop was just solid grain. I mean, there's like little pieces of oat and corn and all that stuff, but that's all. Thankfully, it wasn't diarrhea, but um, that was good evidence that they don't digest that stuff. <laughs> it just goes right there. And I think, you know, and that's what kibble's made of. So no wonder dogs that eat kibble have big poops because it just goes right through them. They didn't even right. begin to digest it. I could have like rinsed it off and fed it to the chickens probably. Ah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Right. It looked just like the feed in the bucket. They, they don't, they don't break that stuff down. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And the other thing too, is just because a dog loves it does not mean it's good for them. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Just because Max likes the chicken feed doesn't mean that Max should eat the chicken feed. This is something that we need to understand. Right. Max uh, tries to eat rocks. You know, I mean, they take rocks out of his mouth all the time because those right. are really bad. That really they can, you know, cause blockages and stuff. Everything. Every, I mean, puppies eat everything. There's no discrim- discrimination. It's, you know, twigs and leaves and wood chips and, and, and rocks and <laughs> chicken feed. And those chickens might be gone if they weren't in a cage. I mean, yeah. I, Max yeah. might think that's very fun chasing the chickens. He'd, oh, he'd have fun chasing them. Yeah. yeah our cats are, um, we had one of our cats is, is uh, very happy to volunteer as a training distractor. And he will, I'll take Max out on the leash and Chester will follow, just kind of saunter about 15 feet behind. Like, don't mind me. I'm just going to walk with you guys. And of course, Max is like, I got to go see the cat, you know. I love the cat videos. They the cats are cats are hilarious. They are the funniest creatures ever. They really are. I want to talk about uh training dogs and why it's so important because look, I'm a bit big advocate of not um you know putting toxins in dogs. Okay. But here's the thing, folks. If we are going to choose to not uh do a rabies, and we know that that is the law and that's a sore uh source of contention right between the powers that be and us pet parents then we must train our dogs to not bite people right and um, no excuses we must put in the money if there is money there is time there is understanding uh i did a replay of doggy dan yesterday on the podcast and so he has uh the online dog trainer. If you have a dog that bites, you probably need to go get some training. So Dr. Jacek, what, what, let's talk a little bit about that, that the sort of the misconceptions about what you can do after a dog bites somebody. I mean, what they're coming to you for help, but the help needs to be, uh, you need to understand about the rabies vaccine. You need to make that decision, but you also need to know even the small nippy dogs. If they bite, you could be in trouble. Right, right. I mean, the, once your dog actually bites, it's between you and the law. I mean, there's nothing we can do. If somebody comes to us because their dog bit somebody and, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, well, you should have, what you should have done was train your dog or, or properly control it and restrain it so that it couldn't bite. Because at that point, there are rules and regulations. If you want to avoid vaccinating your pet, you have to be able to fly under the radar. You have to not get your pet in circumstances where the law is going to get involved because the, the law is the law. And really at that point, um, you, you, you want to play nice. You want to, you want to go along. You want to cooperate. Um, I, I've known clients over the years that have gotten, you know, testy with animal control officers and they'll just throw the book at, they'll take it out on your pet because they're mad at you and they care about the pet. Like they don't, you know, they don't want to confiscate pets. Like they, they, they care about the pets. They're, You're being their nice. job is, their job <laughs> is to enforce these ordinances. And do I agree with the ordinances? No. And you may not either. So, you know, you can try to avoid, you know, um, running into them, but you, know, you got to fly into the radar and you got to make sure your pet behaves. Because both cases, I mean, I have I mean, quite a few clients that choose not to vaccinate and it's not a problem if their dog 
doesn't bite somebody or doesn't run off, isn't out, you know, running at large or something like that. Um, but if you're not going to train your dog and there's a chance that, you know, you have, to, you have to remember that dogs have instincts. They have natural behaviors. They chase things that I used to, when I had my little dogs, I worried about this all the time because I know that if a dog's off leash, it isn't going to know that my five pound chihuahua isn't a rabbit or a squirrel, you know, and they're going right. to chase it because it's a little, so I understand that. I would still in the city expect people to have their dogs under control though. So I would get annoyed if people didn't have their dogs under control, um, but they do have instincts and no matter how, you know, well-behaved you think your dog may be, you have to make sure that you can control those instinctual actions when you're out around other people and other dogs. Yeah. It's so true. Yesterday we were at the gym and, and we had Lozzie. Okay. And uh, we happened to be in my car, which is an SUV. Um, and then her bed's in the back. I mean, in the seat, in between the front and the back seat. Right. Mm -hmm. And we had the windows down all the way down, all the windows down. Um, and she just kind of lays in there and it was cool outside, but there was somebody that was parked right beside us. So this big um guy who this big muscle guy walks out to his car to get in and Lozzie stands up and 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 starts to guard the car scared the sphincter <laughs> right right out of the guy right I and imagine. i and i'm positioned where i can see her so i immediately go out and because she's like doing that bark and hold thing if you guys have ever seen a bark and holds where they bark 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 and they're holding somebody in position that's what she was doing um and so i walked down and said law and i released her and he i said i'm sorry you know and he said no it's fine i just didn't know he was in there well she he's a sheep but anyway i i said sorry about that but it scared him to death right now she she had the ability to come out that window if she yeah I guess say she didn't go out the window Adam, right so. but it's a good thought right what might have because we've always said will she protect the car she doesn't do that when we're in it I guess because we're in it she's like yeah no what you guys take care of it when we're not in the car and you come up to the car she's gonna hold but it's a good it's a good um it's a good um, thought about that what would you do. Right. What if somebody w wanted to be a jerk and they wanted to antagonize your dog? Right. They could do that. They could like s slap at him. They could like punch at him. They could like swing something at him, you know, aggravate the dog. So these are all things that you really do have to think about um, in the world today. And, you know, I would love to have this report. I would love to have this information of all of the dogs that have been quarantined because they have bitten a person or bitten another dog. How many of those quarantined dogs have ever had rabies? I'm, I'm guessing it's about that. zero. Yeah. Yeah. But we yeah. continue to do senseless stuff in the world, senseless stuff in the world, like the mask coming back and like the COVID shots possibly coming back. Dr. Jasek, I, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that they don't think that people who, 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 uh, you know, have read the reports, have gone through all the information about the adverse effects of what happened. And there's a new study that just came out. Uh, I was going to see if I could find it about the mask. 
which is talking about, let's see, how dangerous the toxins are in the mask, even if you wear it for just a few minutes. Goodness, where is that mask uh, report? But can you believe that we're really going back down this? Again, they're talking about this uptick, right? This 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 quote unquote uptick in in covid uh shots i mean covid mm-hmm. um cases yeah and from what i'm reading they're like yeah it's basically like what we just said about the the dogs who are quarantined it's little to nothing no. but we're going back down this road again yeah and they're you know i i think i mean i think all the testing is bogus i don't know if they're back to using the the pcr test to um, you know, to test for this. But I think people are getting sicker and sicker because of the injury from the vaccines, you know? And so now, well, what better way to mask that, but to say, oh, it's this new variant of COVID. And that's why so many people are getting sick. And, as, and you better get, you know, more shots and more shots. And then we, we've got the vaccine. Funny how like, it's almost like the vaccines appear almost before the variant like was new variants coming but don't worry we already have the vaccine we were clairvoyant we looked in our crystal ball and we knew this variant was going to come in september they even put dates to it sometimes you know september whatever you know gotta you know this variant's going to be loose like you know that's not the way that's not the way biology works that's the way you know mainstream propaganda works but people buy into it like okay guess we put our masks on now, but yeah, I'll, I'll fight it this time. I I don't know what it'll be like here in, in Tennessee from what we hear people kind of just did their own thing. Like nobody really cared if you wore a mask or didn't wear it. Like nobody enforced that stuff. Some people did, some people didn't, but um, people pretty much just did their own thing. So we'll see. I mean, get, you know, into the bigger cities which we don't really go there anyway um, might be different, but um, I don't know. We'll see. It just makes me sad. It makes you really sad because it's, you know, it damaged um, so many businesses. It harmed so many businesses and and a lot of small businesses went out of business and that's going to happen. Anybody that survived last time around probably going to be even harder because they went through some tough times and maybe had to take out loans. And now, you know, they're, you know, um, still recovering from that probably. And now it's going to start all over. It is the divisiveness in the, in families and in the world. And that some of that has never like gone away. Like Chris, my husband, and I, we talk to our family sometimes and it's like, what do you talk about? Like, can't talk about that. And so, you know, just, yeah, okay. Well, we talked about the weather and um, I don't know. Okay. Nice talking to you. You know, like there's just nothing really to say. Cause you just know you're not on the, on the same page and it just, it's probably just going to get worse now. Yeah, it is. And the mask, uh, the, the, there was a study published by the NIH weird, the NIH, they were pushing it, but now we're going to put out the study suggested that uh, COVID mask may expose wearers to dangerous levels of toxic compounds linked to seizures and cancer. Um, mm. Yeah, seizures and cancer. They found that the mask had eight times, eight times the recommended safety limit of toxic, volatile, organic compounds. Yeah. Uh, inhaling these TVOCs has been linked to health issues like headaches, nausea, uh, when you wear them for um, long, 
you know, repeated um, um, sessions. And I often wonder how in the world dental hygienists do that because they wear these masks all the time. Right. But really uncomfortable. Yeah. So they're, they're out there, you know, doing this thing again. You know what? I, I just finished watching painkiller. Have you watched that Dr. Jasek? The movie. Is that about the, the um, oxycodone? Oxycontin from the stack. And I, and I really, 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 there's two of them that I think that our pet parents should watch. And I'll tell you why, but one of them is painkiller and one of them is dope sick. And I think the reason that our pet parents should watch it is you can see how the FDA um, gets things approved. You can see the massive marketing behind how dangerous drugs are pushed out there. Um, Oxycontin, you know, they knew these doctors knew that these patients were getting hooked. They knew that it was killing Mm -hmm. them and you see what happens, right? So there, there was one guy, one guy that was standing in the way of this Oxycontin getting, getting approved at the FDA. And basically they figured out a way to schmooze him, wooze him, uh, appeal to certain aspects of his personality. Eventually this guy went to work for Purdue Pharma. Mm -hmm. And you just see this, it's really very sickening. It's a, it's a, it's, it's unbelievable what they were doing. They were taking these very cute, sexy girls, young girls, um, and they would go and they would get these doctors um, to, to, um, you know, push and, and prescribe more and more and more, despite the deaths, despite the information that um, it was hurting people. So I just think that if you watch this show, you can put in the word vaccines. You can put in the word flea and tick. You can put in the word pet food. Um, sorry, Lazzie's in here trying to tell me, you know, Hey, dad's not feeding me. You feed me, but oh, I, saw, I saw her back there. <laughs> yeah. I can hear her. She's like, hello. I'm like, no, I'm doing a podcast. She actually pushes my door open. She's so funny, but, but anyway, I think you could substitute anything, anything. Yeah. Right. And see how they push it. It has nothing to do with health, nothing. And yet the doctors would fool themselves. They'd be like, well, Purdue Pharma says only 1% of people get addicted to this when they would see their own patients dying. Arthur Sackler, like the, the Sackler that started that whole thing, he actually is an MD, but he trained in psychology and he actually studied how to persuade physicians to sell their drugs. He actually studied how to market to physicians and he understood it because he was trained in psychology. He was also an MD. So he understood, you know, what they'd been through and all the medical school and everything. And he, he studied and he learned how to persuade doctors. And that's what they did. They figured out now, I, I mean, I still hold the doctors accountable because come on, you got to realize what's, what's happening 
Um, but that initial marketing was, was, you know, they were, they were schmoozed by these inter- and paid, I mean, you know, trips and cruises and, you know, all this stuff to, you know, rewards, they would actually get rewarded for, um, for selling their drugs. And this is commonplace in human medicine. And it's, it's the same industry as veterinary medicine. These are not different companies. We're just a branch of the same industry. So it's, it's exactly the same. It's the pharmaceutical reps that come in and sell the stuff and, and convince the vets, oh yeah, use this brand new, brand new vaccine or this brand new drug or whatever it is they're, they're selling. And they know how to market to the doctors. And I, I still say shame on the doctors for falling for it. That's what woke me up like years ago. I'm like, I'm just a, I don't know, just, just, you know, I realized after I was out in the real world working for a while, like I'm just a pawn for the pharmaceutical industry. That's all I'm doing. I'm peddling drugs. They're coming in, telling me what I should be giving to my patients and I'm, and I'm selling them. And I don't want, that's not what I want to do. I mean, I don't know why more medical, medical practitioners don't see it that way, but I sure did. I'm like, this isn't medicine. This is, you know, drug, drug dealing, you know, it's all, all it was. And then I, one day I heard the word vaccinarian and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be that, you know, like, because that's what the veterinary profession is based. How do you keep your pet healthy? Well, you keep vaccinating them. And I was like, no, that's not going to be me. So I started learning other ways and other things. Um, but it just, it, it sucks in, you know, the, the big continuing education meetings that vets go to, who do you think pays for those? It's the big pharma companies, the big food companies. Who do you think sponsors the nutrition classes? It's Hills and Royal Canaan, you know, and what are they teaching them? Not about good nutrition. They're teaching them to, you know, just sell their, well, you don't have to learn all this nutrition stuff. We'll just tell you which foods to feed, you know. Yeah, it's uh, one doctor um, spoke up, and I'm sure that there were others, but in this show, this one doctor says to this very attractive young girl, you're just a drug pusher in a ponytail, Hmm? with a ponytail. Uh, You're a drug pusher with a ponytail, because he was not going to fall for all of the the lines and the misrepresentation that they were spreading out there. They would have these conventions and just, you know, it was, it was like a drug at the convention. Like everybody's like, wow, sell more, sell more, sell more. They would give them cars and all this kind of stuff. It was, it's nuts. And so when I'm watching this, it just, it just is, is making me almost physically ill sometimes to watch it thinking I could just replace the word oxycotton with all of these other things that we talk about on the podcast because it's along that same line. So that's why I I encourage pet parents. It's a very short, I think if you were going to binge watch, I think there's six episodes, right? Um, that you would watch on the on the painkiller one. Dope sick uh is the other one. They're both about oxycotton. But here just recently, um last Thursday, uh, the Supreme Court did block uh, Purdue Pharma from going forward with their bankruptcy proceedings, um, which would offer the Sackler family broad protection, basically Mm -hmm. give them immunity, which is what the pharmaceutical industries get, right? They get immunity. They 
they uh in this um article it, you know they're worth 11 billion dollars this is what the sackler family and before this came down they started pulling money out of the company um and they have agreed to contribute up to 6 billion uh, to their reorganization fund and you know what they what they talk about dr jasic this is crazy they're like well well we don't think that you know we should be punished to the full extent of the law because we could do so much good with this money we could go out and use it for like drug rehabilitation and and things like that and you're like drug rehab you're the one that caused the problem right and now they're going to take all this money and support that like no they're not <laughs> it's 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 just it's just insane how everybody is bamboozled and we should just know that the world is that is the standard right that is the standard and you see the heartbreak in in uh one of the ladies in this movie who's when she comes to the realization that the world is not kind that the world is not fair it's it's heartbreaking you know and um i read the the book um empire empire of pain is the book on that and actually one of the secretaries of one of the high up guys can't remember which sackler one of the attorneys one of the high up guys one of the secretaries ended up getting addicted yep. and it affected her job so like she couldn't do her job because of her addiction do you think they helped her just fired her she couldn't do her job anymore so you know bye-bye and that's 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 the mentality you know if you're not supporting their cause you're a liability and you're gone and they have enough companies like that they have enough money to pay off anybody the judges the law enforcement the doctors um, they just hire people, like you said, the people that are opposing them, they schmooze them and then they end up, they end up hiring them. And then, cause they're talented people and they know all the rules. And then once they're in, you know, and, and if they're paying them to do this, if people get kind of, kind of stuck, they kind of can't get out or might risk, you know, losing their lives or, you know, there's, there's consequences for not, not playing on playing with the team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a new, and, and you talk about bamboozled. There's a new word out there to mislead pet parents. And it is, or a phrase, it's called upcycling, upcycling food. Okay. Now, what this upcycling is, and the way that they're going to play this is there's so much food waste in the world, right? We got mm. food waste. Therefore, we need to upcycle it and put it in to pet food okay and um so the potential problem and i and i'm getting this information off of susan thixton's site but she said the potential problems with upcycled ingredients in pet food is that there's no human food safety standards it's highly processed uh disclosures is not required and unknown ingredients uh, are there and and nobody's really looking at this right but they use all of these words harvest to harvest um and what it does is hydrolyzes upcycled fruits vegetables meats that sort of thing and they're saying you know it, it would be one thing if you had you know meat that's going that that's that's at its uh expiration date in the grocery store 
And that is frozen and immediately going into the pet food, you know, industry. The, and they're, so they're giving some leeway there, but they're saying the problem is there's really no one looking at this. They have no idea how spoiled it is, no house idea how spoiled all the other stuff is or how contaminated it is. But that now, guys, is going into pet food, not raw pet food. God forbid the raw pet food that causes uh, sepsis, uh, that causes your dog to, you know, walk backwards and spin his head around, right? <laughs> this is this is the way they do it. But they're getting away with this kind of stuff because they're bamboozling, again, misleading, uh, big marketing strategies, using these words that they know that will, um, you know, cause the pet parents, oh, we're saving the earth. We're, we're saving the saving the planet. We're, you know, making up for all those, you know, cow farts by using these, recycled, recycled foods. Plus it sounds like, well, if they're just using whatever they can find, then there's no consistency, no balance, no nothing. They just spray the multivitamin on at the end and call it good. Right. And this, this certainly can lead to lots of problems like cancer, which by the way, folks, our second uh, part of the cancer series coming up next uh, week September 2nd is going to be on Tuesday this next week with Dr. Jasek. Dr. Jasek, this uh, part two is going to be very informative. What are we going to talk about on this webinar of the cancer series part two? So part two is going to be about treatment basics, starting with nutrition, which you guys know we talk about all the time, but very, very important. If you don't get that nutritional piece in place, um, you're not going to have success with the other things. So big, big part of it is going to be about uh, nutrition and, you know, specifically for cancer patients and whole food supplementation and avoiding toxicity. Another thing we talk about, because um, this is, these are the things that the pet parent can do. You don't even have to seek help from anybody else. You can, these things in this next part, if you do these things in here, you're going to go a long, long way to helping to treat and to prevent cancer because it's about providing good nutrition and eliminating toxicity. So we'll talk about vaccines, flea and tick, things like that, that we want to be eliminating from the, uh, from the pet's environment. And so you're, it's going to be laying this really good, healthy foundation before we move into um, other more advanced therapies, which if you don't do these basics, you're just wasting your money on them anyway. Yeah. And you can still get part one. We're going to lay out everything for you. You can still get part one. Um, and then part two, we'll have that out on the website today. If you have any problem finding that, just email us at info at rawdogfoodandcompany.com. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with us through the chat. Uh, make sure that you uh, get part one and then move over to part two uh, with us next Tuesday um, at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Yes, you can get the replay even if you can't attend. Okay, so once you pay for that, then then you can move on uh, into uh, part three with us in the week after. Um, so speaking of cancer, recently published in the Journal of Veterinary Internal Medicine, uh, they had an article in their Dr. Jasek that, that said changes in diet and supplement use in dogs with cancer. Okay, so that sounds like a really good article, right? Sounds like a great article. Uh, but then Dr. Gene Dodds was reviewing the research of this article 
and found that in the middle of the paper, uh, supposedly related to dog cancer, the UC Davis Veterinary School researchers, you know, they began discussing this grain-free pet food and dilated cardiomyopathy again. And they attempted to plant the seed of a possible link between grain-free pet food and cancer. They're doing this again. Uh, No way. Oh my God. I'm going to have this discussion a thousands and thousands of times with my clients. Yeah. So they, 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 in this article, they said that they're, they're, in their opinion, in Susan Thixton, Dr. Dodd's opinion, they're put, they're misleading readers on purpose. Okay. Because they said they read the statement intended to alarm the audience. More than one of five dogs in the present study were fed a grain-free diet before a cancer diagnosis. All right. So one thing is they know today that people don't read very much. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can send out a reminder and people will read the first, you know, 10 words and then they don't read the rest. Right. I can't tell you how many times I'll say, did you know? No, I didn't know. It was right. They don't read it. So I think these two. Yeah. yeah, The papers know this. So Mm -hmm. what they did was they really decided that they were going to dive into the numbers. All right. So they flipped the statement around. They said more than one in five dogs, which is actually 22% in this particular study. So what that meant was more than three in four dogs, okay, more than three in four dogs, 78% were fed a grain-inclusive diet prior to a cancer diagnosis. So does that mean that the diet had anything to do with the cancer diagnosis? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they they went through this study and they they showed what they were doing. So kibble in the this article okay kittle kibble that is is extremely uh toxic to dogs they mentioned that one time raw they mentioned four times grain free they mentioned eight times and uh grain based or grain inclusive they never mentioned and then they mentioned home prepared 31 times oh my gosh right so they 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 said, you know, were the researchers at UC Davis Veterinary School attempting to make a misleading link between grain-free dog food and dog cancer? Hmm. No, tell me it's not true. And the thing that's like, you know, I, I can see why they do that because grain-free encompasses everything except your grain-based kibble. So they can then incriminate. This is what they did with the cardiomyopathy. They can incriminate raw or dehydrated or, you know, the grain-free kibbles, which we don't recommend those anyway, but any fresh food diet that, you know, doesn't have grain in it, they can incriminate it. So it allows them to incriminate lots of different, different diet types and promote these uh, grain-based kibble, man, I can't believe they're coming out with it, but that's what they, they do. They just throw these numbers and people don't even people, like you said, they don't read thoroughly to begin with. And then they'll hear something like that. And they hear, they hear cancer and they hear grain-free like, oh my gosh, I'm going to stop feeding grain-free because it gives dogs cancer. They don't think about, but that was just 20%. Well, what about the other 
80 percent in the in the study. And and I think I mean, people don't read thoroughly to begin with. Um, I say most people probably don't understand how research is done or how to dive into the the statistics and everything in a research study to determine if it's valid or not. And most of them aren't. They're just they're they're just part of the propaganda. They really are. Well, it says, why would these researchers draw attention to a 22% statistic, uh, these dogs who were fed a grain-free dog food prior to a cancer diagnosis, and then completely, totally ignore a 78% statistic that, of mm-hmm. the dogs fed a grain-inclusive dog food prior to cancer diagnosis. What was their motivation to ignore their own data showing the majority of dogs in the study were fed a grain-inclusive dog food prior to a cancer diagnosis? So it's it's just, again, if you watch these movies like Painkiller, Dope Sick, I think it will open up your eyes. Again, you have to understand that these industries are not separate. It is one huge industry. And I always say this, Dr. Jasek, if you want to argue with us, then I hope that you have a very, very healthy dog. Right? Right. Because show show us the proof. Yeah. Well, two, those of us that have been feeding raw for 20 plus years, right? And certainly you and myself and and all the people that we work with, you have a control group, right? We have a huge group of dogs that eat raw and do well. And yet people will make up stuff. You know, I had someone the other day, they, it was their first order. They were not feeding our food, uh, but the, but right before it got shipped out, they sent an email and said, stop the presses. Don't send the food. My dog in big bold letters cannot tolerate raw food. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, so your dog can tolerate um, cooked food and your dog can tolerate um, kibble food. Tolerate meaning they're not going to regurgitate in the beginning, right? And there may be hmm. some of that regurgitation because they don't have the gut health to be able to eat raw food, but I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't say, well, I'm going to put you right back on that substandard food. Right. Right. Because the digestion is, that's what it's used to digesting. It needs to get up to par with the raw. Do you know what happened? Like did the dog vomit or something or. You know, it, 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 it wasn't, uh, it wasn't one of our customers. And I, I guess Dr. Jasek, there's a certain, there's a certain profile that I know that it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah, I hear you. And it, and it's and it's very difficult. And so sometimes I just have to let those people go. And I and and um, I we've done so many podcasts on why a dog may not may regurgitate in the beginning. And I will tell you. So I I was on the truck this weekend, right? So I was. I was out and I haven't been on the truck delivering in a long time, but I was with Becca. And um, so I was talking to some of my very long-term customers and these folks feed raw and, and they said, Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, My dog is, is vomiting. Now, when, when somebody says that, I always have to say, are we regurgitating food or are we doing the early morning or late at night, you know, foamy, regurgitation which it was 
This is what was happening. And I said, before I asked them any questions, I said, if there's any processed foods going into this dog's body, then first and foremost, I would take those out. And I said, is there any processed foods going into this dog's body? Well, we are giving them um, apple jerky, apple jerky. And I said, is it processed? And they said, yeah, it is processed. So I said, we'll pull it out. Right. And then maybe you need to, you know, they feed at five, five in the afternoon. I said, maybe you need to give them a little snack of, of raw food before they go to bed. But, um, it, it, again, <laughs> there are a lot of things that pet parents do that cause these situations. Again, we've talked about it. It's not that your dog um, it's not the raw food. It's typically all the other things that are being added in and, and our long-term feeders do that too sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, you know, sometimes I ask, you know, a lot, I keep asking about what they're doing and the routine and what about treats and then things come up like the dental chews. Um, but, but that are just very starchy and always have horrific. Don't, don't feed anything that's looks like a green molded toothbrush to your dogs. It's not good for them. Um, but the other thing is what medication. So if a dog's been on antibiotics, cause you know, sometimes I'll ask that question, dogs having digestive issues or they're not tolerating like raw food. Well, and like, well, it's, you know, well, let's see. Yeah. My dog, oh yeah. My dog had that UTI or my dog had the skin thing and I took it into the vet and they put on antibiotics for two weeks. Well, that's going to affect your dog's ability to digest the food too. If you're doing any oral flea and ticker, um, some of the heartworm products, you know, there's a lot of things that you can be giving your dog that can also affect its ability to digest its food properly. But this is the natural food for a dog. So if a dog isn't digesting it, there's something wrong with their digestive tract that we need to figure out. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I need to make a uh, email that goes out to our, our very new pet parents that says, if your dog is experiencing this, it is not that your dog cannot eat raw. It is that your dog's gut needs to be healed. And the longer you put them on substandard food, the less likely that we're going to be able to heal that gut. And if you don't heal the gut, what does that mean? That means that vitamins and minerals are not getting into the dog's body. If vitamins and minerals are not getting into the dog's body, how are they going to be healthy? I don't know. It's impossible. They, they, they can't be, they can't be, you know? So I, I, again, uh, there, there's something that's not clicking. There's something that's just not clicking, uh, with, with pet parents. And I tell you what, Dr. Jasek, I am making if, if a pet parent comes to me and says, my vet said this. I I want to know where that study is or where that line of reasoning comes from. Take me through the pieces, right? Like, um, you know, the one that just gets in my crawl where they said, oh, yeah, you can't feed your dog, you know, pure raw. It's It's got to be, you know, cooked or something because the dog went septic on raw. Oh, yeah. Or you can't feed a hundred percent protein diet. I hear that one all the time. Well, how can I, I can't feed a hundred percent protein. Like 
well, it's not hundred percent protein. Like there's so much misconception out there that people hear online and on the, um, you know, the Facebook groups and all the stuff that people, you know, tend to like to believe, but yeah, people need to ask, where's this information coming from? Yeah. I, I, it was funny because I was looking in, in uh, Lou Olson's book and, and I turned to the myths page, right? Number two, high protein diets harm dogs. This is a myth, right? High protein uh, causes renal failure. This is a myth. And I, and, and I just think that it's so important that if you are going to work with a vet, that a vet should understand that your dog is a carnivore. Right. They learned anatomy. I mean, supposedly, God knows what they're teaching them at vet school these days, but um, maybe they just take them on cruises and just teach them how to sell drugs and stuff like that. They just turn them into drug salesmen, but, but they learn the anatomy. They should know this is what carnivores, this is what carnivores eat. They're not she's like, mom, I'm starving. <laughs> Come well, on, I'm mom. Here. She, she, Rick's like, you trained him. So you have to deal with it. You know, you trained him that when you get up, you feed them. Sorry, guys, you're not seeing it. But my German shepherd's walking in here. She's like putting her paw up on me going, hey. And then she gets Asta to start barking. This is the game. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you're old it's and. Empty. Right. You're old and they'll do whatever you want. So let me get you all jazzed up. I don't know if they think like that. Seems like it. That's probably. Sounds, amp- sounds good. Anthropomorphism or yeah, whatever you call it. Anthropomorphizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you this. Um, when somebody works with you, Dr. Jason, what do you think is not a good fit? Not a good fit. If somebody wants to work with with you, there there's there are folks that maybe it's just not a good fit. What what's that profile look like? Yeah. So I think first of all, it's the mindset, like we talked about in our first um, cancer webinar. Mm-hmm. If if you have a holistic perspective that's going to fit with ours, it, it's um, there's a big difference between somebody that understands the importance of treating the whole body and that we're not, so say it's a cancer patient. We're not just attacking the cancer, though we do do things that can help reduce the the cancer, reduce tumors, stop it from spreading, but we're not just targeting the cancer. We're doing that by supporting the whole body. I think there's a good number of people out there that are still looking for the magic bullet. They want the, or, you know, they don't want to do the drugs, the chemo, but they want the herb or they want the mistletoe or the, oh, just tell me the one thing that's going to be the magic bullet, but no magic bullet. So magic bullet mentality, it, it isn't going to work well because you got to spend the time doing the diet and, you know, stop vaccinating, you know, like uh, if I'm working with somebody like, well, I just, I have to vaccinate. I'm like, well, do you, I mean, like, what's the, what's the trade-off there? You know, could we figure out um, some options. I'm just talking to somebody the other day that, you know, went through, I mean, I worked with this person for a while and I went in and, and, um, you know, she's like, I said no to like this vaccine. I said no to the Bordetella and I noted the flu and, and I didn't want to do the rabies, but they talked me into the lepto. I'm like, what? (laughs) They scared, scared you into the lepto. Scared you into the, scared you in the lepto. So, so that's it. And, and, um, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. And um, I think other things are understanding that we're going to recommend a meat-based diet. So if you're not on board with that for 
whatever reason, um, you know, I, I just don't think that's a good fit because I don't feel like we can have good results. If we're not feeding a species appropriate fresh food diet, um, we're not going to have uh, good results. And um, another, another big thing that's come up for us recently is, you know, we're, we're not a substitute for primary care. You, you have to have a vet that can see your pet hands-on because sometimes we'll get emails from the, my dog's having trouble breathing. What do you think? Like, I think you need to get the dog checked because what if there's like, I don't know, I can't listen. I can't see, I can't get hands-on and we're, we're not an emergency clinic. Like, you know, people get upset sometimes because their dog's sick and they email us and we don't get back to them. I mean, sometimes it's just a few hours, you know, right. um, but if your pet's that sick, you've got to take them in somewhere. You have to have, and I know it's hard to take pets into conventional vets, but um, you, you need to, um, you need to have that available to you because there's going to be times where we're just going to say, you have to take the pet in and then we do the supplemental care. Um, so, you, you know, you have to be willing to, uh, to take that step uh, when necessary. And, and then of course, be uh, okay with our private membership association um, for, you know, we're, we're the cool kids club. So you are, <laughs> <laughs> you are the cool kids club. You know what? Um, I think that, and I've said this before, that pet parents need to understand that, that just like what we experienced three years ago with, are you vaccinated? Are you not? Are you wearing a mask? Are you not? They vilified the folks who today are are proving to be healthier than the ones that went along with the program. And I say that because I think that you need to understand that if you decide to tell them you're a raw feeder, they're going to put on blinders. We've seen it over and over and over again. Everything will be because of the raw food, whether there is any justification for that or not. And I find that to be very, very um, dangerous for your dog. Now, I, do you think that folks are, and maybe folks just aren't good liars, but do you think that that pet parents tell them that they're raw feeders because they're worried that there's something in the raw food that they need to be aware of. But my question, that's my first part of the question to you, Dr. Jacek. The second part is, even if you didn't tell them that you're a raw feeder, they would find something if it actually was some sort of, you know, bacteria or parasite or it wouldn't matter. They would find it. So why would you, why do you need to tell them? Right. I, I think, I, I think there's a significant amount of people, I can't tell you a percentage, but I think there's a significant number that because of all the press out there and all the propaganda about the dangers of raw feeding, when their dog gets sick, they secretly wonder. It's like when you have your customers come to you, their dog gets sick. Oh, your food's bad. It must be a bad batch because, you know, my dog got sick. So people have this tendency to think that it's that it's the food. So I think they want that either, you know, confirmed or disproven when they go into the vet. So that may be part of it. What I suggest to people, if people want the vet to know they're feeding raw, just in case, like, just don't tell them right up front because they will stop right there. Just like you said, they don't do probably diagnostics. This is incredibly negligent. I would say malpractice really, because they are just, they're not 
they're not doing proper proper diagnostics and proper testing on the pet and they could be missing things because they're just attributing it to you know to the raw food what if it's a dog with a foreign body and they have a blockage or something and they're vomiting and they say well it's just vomiting because you're on the on the raw food so i mean another approach is to uh not tell them at the beginning and then you know fess up at the end and see what they say after they've done the appropriate testing because then they would at least have been able to rule out um, other things. And like you said, Didi, if this stuff is as terrible as they say, then there's this horrible bacteria and everything, then they should be able to find that. And, you know, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't need to know because it, if it's that bad, it should be just blatantly obvious. Well, I'm going to have Brian on the podcast to go over his experience where he went in for the fecal test and just the, mm-hmm. the wellness and then the vet would not even touch his dog because it was raw fed. And I do believe that Brian is going to go and try this again and say, really, uh, my dog is a kibble fed dog. Yeah. Because the back to the same clinic. I don't know that he can go back to the same clinic. I think that would be, you know, because it'd be on his records. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but again, um, I just, I think that you are setting yourself up unless you do your homework in the beginning and you go out and you seek out a doctor who still believes in doing real medicine, who hasn't, you know, uh, put their uh, brain in a medicine jar and put it up on the shelf somewhere uh, because there will be a time when you will need, like you say, mm-hmm. to go see a, a doctor. Do you want to be <clears throat> in this emotional state and then be bullied? Right. right. You, Cause that's you when want... you're most vulnerable. Right. right. Yeah. I actually, I've encouraged people, you know, cause I understand it, it, it's, it's terrible. And it's hard to get into clinics without updated vaccines. And um, I, I have encouraged clients like, look, go, you know, call around to some clinics, find some that might be a little more open-minded, just make an appointment, go in there by yourself, pay for an office visit and just say, look, this is how, and this is where I've seen people probably have the best success is you're not, you're not scared because your pet's sick. Your pet isn't even there. Just say, look, this is how I roll and you're calm and you're not confrontational. And I, I feed raw and I don't, I don't um, agree with all these vaccines. I'd like to do tighter testing or whatever it is. And just say, are you going to be willing to work with me? But you'd be prepared to walk out if they say, if they say no, but you just have that honest conversation before you need them. And then, you know, you have a place to go that even if they're a little more open-minded, they may not know anything about raw. They might not recommend it, but at least they will be a little more um, open-minded if you go in there and they're not going to say, well, you know, the thing that's wrong with your pet is the, is the raw food and not mandate the vaccines. That's a man. They come out with this, you know, another lockdown and, and more, you know, vaccine mandates for people, these mandates in the clinics, it's just going to get worse, just going to get worse. So you really just have to find somebody that is willing to do that. Avoid the corporates, any of the VCAs or blue pearls or any of these corporates, they're, they're always going to be the worst. Your best bet is to find a, you know, smaller, smaller clinics. Sometimes the country that's like, if you live in a more rural area, you know, get the horse vet, they can, look at your dog. And sometimes they're just like, you know, they're a horse vet. So they're not really plugged in. They're not making the majority of their income on, um, 
selling vaccines, selling you vaccines. If you just want somebody to like look them over, listen to their heart and lungs or something, you know, like simple exams like that, sometimes you can get the the country that not be so concerned about selling vaccines. So, but but look at search it out. Yeah, it it sucks. It's it's a real quandary. Um, but you have to advocate for your pets. You know, nobody else is going to do it. And you're going to end up in a situation where you're worried, you're panicked, and you're just going to roll over and get the shot because you want to get your pet treated. Don't let yourself get in that situation. Yeah. And I, maybe, maybe this could be our next series, Dr. Jasek, that we do is not a question. How, how do, how to question? Like I, I would love for pet parents to be so informed about the ingredients that are in vaccines that they could actually question the vet about, wait a minute, this, this ingredient. Now this ingredient, is this, you know, going to be beneficial for, you know, my pet and, mm-hmm. and understand the side effects and have them really give you the studies. I guarantee that's not happening. And probably what happens more often than not is when those vets do get questioned and they can't answer them, they just tell the client to go somewhere else. Right. Right. That's right? that's their, um, you're not a good fit because you asked me a question. Right, 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 right. Don't ask questions. Don't question. Don't, don't question my authority here. Right. There, there are a lot of Facebook groups that talk about the flea and tick and the heartworm and how dangerous they are and how many pets have died. And um, then we did a podcast where we were talking about um, Susan Thixton was talking about, look, are you on the nutrition side of the of the Purina or the Hills or the science uh, diet, all the stuff that your vets push, because that is documented. That is trash. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you want to, you want to say, listen, are you in the health business, the pet health business, or are you in the pharmaceutical sales business? Which, which business are you in? I just want to know before, you know, I decide whether I'm going to work with you or not. What is more important to you, pet health or sales? Right. And right. look, we all have to make a living, but are you watch painkiller? Are you in it to sell crap? That's going to hurt my dog because you're, you know, removed from the situation. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, then it, then it's on you guys. It really is on you. Right. Yeah. And clinics make so much money, you know, selling these, these preventatives. I can't remember if it's UDD or somebody else told me J- Judy Morgan, Dr. Judy Morgan put out somewhere. She was at a conference and, and, evidently she was in one of the like business lectures or something. And they said it was something like they were actually promoting the products based on the fact that clinics could make like four, it was like 400,000. It was like several hundred thousand dollars a year. Just selling that's, that's passive income. They're just saying, why do you think they say you need this stuff every month year round, no matter what, even in the dead of winter where there's no bugs whatsoever, because they want to get you in this habit. And then guess what? You are buying those products every month and it's, they're not cheap either, but that's, that's what they do. And then the vaccines, like the vet doesn't even have to be involved. The tech can, you know, give most vaccines. So they just have them on these vaccine schedules. They come in, the tech does it. They're in and out in, you know, five minutes. And, you know, it's, I don't know, 30, 40, $50. I'm not sure what they're 
uh, selling those for, but the vet doesn't even have to be involved. This is like, they're on the golf course. I mean, they could be right. I mean, my point is they can get this stuff set up in their clinic. So there's all this money's coming in just by selling these poisons to your pet and they can be off playing, playing around a golf because they don't even have to be in, in the, in the room with you. Yeah. And, and my question is, why are you not more educated on the toxins that you're putting in your dog, but you want to, you know, you want to do this, you know, everything's got to be transparent in, in the raw dog food industry. Right. Right. It's like, what's in there, meat, bones, organ, and fat. Right. And it, you, th there are a lot of pet parents that want to really get into this. Well, is it organic feed? Is it organic? This is it organic that, and yet you're still putting toxins in your dogs. So I contend, look, it doesn't matter how much organic food you put in your dog. If you're putting poisons in them too. Right. You're wasting your money on the food probably because <laughs> you're, because you're, because you're poisoning them. Yeah. So literally, literally poisons and it's it's just getting worse and worse and worse you know this isn't it, you know it, it isn't going to change and you know you, you talked about going in you know with information to your vet you can pull up any of these like flea and tick products heartworm products even the vaccines you can pull them up online you can find the ingredients just pull up the product you can go to you know chewy.com or whatever online pharmacy look at the active ingredient and then look that active ingredient up and it will scare the bejesus out of you the the side effects because then you'll just get like a you can look up the msds sheet which is the material safety data sheet or you know the, they'll be like you know i don't know pubmed there's all these different publications that will list the potential side effects of these of these chemical ingredients and then you decide do you really want to put them take that into your vet say are you aware like you're recommending this but what about these, what about these side effects? And, you know, see what, see what they say, see how much integrity they have. If they just poo poo that question, then they're not worried about poisoning your pet. Oh no, there's not that many. There's a very small amount, just like what Purdue said, only 1% <laughs> of the people become addicts. And I remember in this one point in the show where the cute little salesperson got out and there was this huge, you know, um, protest against Pardue. And the comment from the salesperson was, if you were a better pet parent, I mean, a better parent, <laughs> um, your child wouldn't be an addict. If you were a better parent, your child wouldn't be an addict. And most of these parents, their kids have had some sort of back pain, knee pain, uh, sports injury. They were prescribed Oxycontin and they got hooked on it and they died. And I will tell you that about, uh, I think it's seven now, seven of uh, our son's friends have died from either uh, suicide really? or Oxycontin. Yes. All related yes. to Oxycontin? All related to oxycontin. Oh my gosh, that's so and, tragic. Yeah, it is. Um, and they've all gotten hooked on it. And that age group is, you know, um, early to mid forties. Crazy, yeah, yeah. crazy. And another thing they did too is they targeted a lot of the poorer parts of the of the country, and um, so then you know those people end up, you know, a lot of them are on Medicare, Medicaid. Like we're funding this. They were 
<laughs> through our tax dollars. But, you know, um, when I applied for my license here in Tennessee and there was like, like a, you know, questionnaire you had to fill out, they must have asked eight or 10 times in different ways. You know how some applications, they ask it the same question, but in different ways about substance abuse. And I'm like, wow, like I can understand they ask it because it's a big deal when you can buy the drugs yourself, you know, but they had asked it and I thought, why? Wow, that's a lot. But then I realized, I thought about the Oxycontin thing, this part of the country here in Tennessee and the Carolinas where there's some poorer populations. They really got a lot of those people addicted and then they couldn't do like they couldn't go to rehab. They had no resources um, to help them. So they just kept, um, you know, getting, getting the drugs until they died, which really, really sad. And then they started doing other things like snorting it <gasps> and stuff because it, um, it ended up not lasting. Like they said, you know, like take it twice a day. Well, the effects would wear off before that next dose was due and people would have withdrawals and they'd be like work having withdrawals or something. So then they started taking more. So then they realized that they could get a more potent effect by crushing the tablets and actually snorting it. And then they'd get a bigger, a bigger hit. Yeah. It's, it's sick. It's, it's really sick. It just, just makes you sick to the stomach to think that first of all, how could a whole, a family, like they got kids and grandkids and they set this up just all in the interest of money and they knew exactly what they were doing. It was no accident. It was all, all very calculated. And the Oxycontin hasn't made its way over into the dog world, has it? Is there some sort of a form of that in the dog world? Um, there's other op opioids like codeine. And um, I mean, I could probably, I've never used it on a pet, but things like codeine fentanyl is used. Fentanyl patches are used after, um, like after surgery, morphine. So there's other opioids. Now I've never used, I've never really heard of anybody using Oxycontin by name, but other opioids. Yes. But you know, we just, you know, give our pets the opportunity to get addicted to them typically. Though there have been cases where the pet parents take the pets medication. Yes. They, I you have to watch the refills and stuff like that. I've heard where some pet parents, not anybody that listens to this podcast, but hurt their dog so that they can get those. And so that they can mm -hmm. take those. That was a real problem there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's really sad. It is sad. All right, everybody. Any, any, you, good, any good news, Didi? Uh, good news. Well, we have a cancer <laughs> webinar coming up next right, week. That good. is that's good news. Not that cancer is good news, but hopefully we can help. <laughs> right, right. So it is good information uh, for those of you who want to keep your pets with you longer, who don't want to go through that situation and don't want to put your pets through that. That's the other thing, Dr. Jasek. I sometimes I'm just like when I see all these medications that these dogs are on. I'm like, where's the disconnect? A dog cannot feel well when they are getting so many different drugs. So I think that this webinar is great. First, it was the mindset, guys. Next, we're going to go into the nutritional part. And then the third part will be the alternative modalities. Did I say that correctly? Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Sounds great. I can't wait. I hope I learned, maybe I'll learn something. <laughs> and we have this amazing teacher that's going to be teaching us. Uh, so make sure that you get over to our site and we'll get that up uh, today. Uh, so so if you don't see it, just let me know. Uh, you can email me. You can work with Dr. Jasek, ahavet.com. Make sure you're a good fit. Make sure you're a good fit. Mm -hmm. Are you on the holistic track, right? 
Uh, we don't want to be, you know, ping ponging around from traditional to holistic to tradition. I mean, in some instances, yeah, you got to go get your dog sewn up, a leg taken off. You got to have surgery. You got to have dentals. Okay. We get that, but you know what we mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's up here. It's how you, you think about it. Cause you could go get surgery on your dog or dental and still have a holistic perspective. And we have clients that do that. They'll say, okay, my dog needs this procedure. How can I support my dog afterwards from a holistic perspective? Cause they're going to need the drugs and they're going to need some pain meds and maybe even some antibiotics for a couple of days. But you know, then how do I support my bod, my dog's body afterwards? How do I help them detox? So that's, where that combination works. But if you're going to do ongoing treatments, you know, if we're going to treat itchy skin with diet nerves and you're on Apoquil, not going to have good long-term results because it's extremely hard to get them off of that. So, you know, you got to be wanting to go for the healing, but then you have to be patient because it, because it takes time. Does it does, but then we don't further insult the gut and further insult uh, the health of the dog. Right. So that's what we're doing. We're supporting the health so that homeostasis happens. And we're always trying to get back to health. We just have to get out of the way and stop putting toxins in our dogs. Right. It's so simple. Health is health is natural, right? The body wants to be healthy. The body knows how to be healthy. If we just give it the proper support and quit poisoning it, it's incredibly simple, really. I right. Mean, it's just hard to achieve sometimes in our world with all the propaganda. But when you've seen the things that you and I have seen, to me, it's like a no brainer. There's just no way would I put, you know, some of the stuff in like, like little, little Max's, you know, body. There's just nothing at this little cute little growing puppy and I'm going to poison him. But I was like, you kidding me? But it's healthy. It's, it's, it's going to help him in the long run. Dr. Jasek, yeah. come on. Toxins work. That's what produces. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You know, another thing that company did too, that was really shady was they like changed their name companies to do this. Like they're getting incriminated lawsuits and stuff. And then they can kind of just quietly kind of change the name of their company. So then they can't be incriminated anymore. There's lots of little legal loopholes. They did just really evil, really evil. Yeah. And, and you will see it. And I really do really do oh, encourage Really Every one of you guys to watch it. Well, you read the book. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot more detailed, but, you know, dope sick, painkiller. Um, if you want to, you know, study about the Sackler family, that's who it is. Um, yeah, they got, whether they popped out of the womb evil or not, who knows? But they, you know, they're they're very, very wealthy. And they didn't care. They figured out a way to make more money. And I will say this, that what we're seeing right now, that the vaccine, the pharmaceutical industries, their, their profits have gone down. Their profits are going down. And guess what? We're getting ready to have another surge so that those vaccine profits can go up. Because so we can't have those billionaires losing, you know. No, a, a couple million dollars or something. You know? Right. <laughs> and you can't go from a billion to a millionaire because that would be oh a gosh. disgrace. Yeah. Wouldn't it be able would. to go to the country club then. Right. Or wherever yeah. we're going to the <laughs> Mars. Maybe there's a country club up there in, on Mars. But anyway. All right, everybody. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. We got to get your dog on a species appropriate diet. Get over there today. 
day. We'll see you guys on the cancer webinar with Dr. Judy Jasek. Check out our website at ahavet.com. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. I'll see you on Tuesday, Dr. Jasek. All right. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.